On this coming Friday, Good Friday, we will hear and respond to the reproaches at the end of our service. They are the set of reproofs addressed by the crucified Savior to his ungrateful people, which form part of the Good Friday liturgy of the Western Church. They consist of 12 verses, which set in parallel the divine compassion for Israel and the outrages inflicted on Christ in his passion. The complete reproaches date back to the 11th century. In other words, we can find them in total as we have them now, then. They're extant from the 11th century. There are, however, traces of the component parts of the reproaches in the 7th century, and the use of the, re- of the reproaches as a homiletic device may go back to St. Cyril of Jerusalem at the, fourth, at the um, end of the 4th century. The first reproach without the response. O my people, what have I done unto thee? Or wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. Because I led thee out through the desert forty years, and fed thee manna, and brought thee into a land exceedingly good, thou hast prepared a cross for thy Savior. The introductory text of the first couple of verses, first couple of reproaches, uh, emphasizes the contrast. The first verse spending more time on it, the second less time on it, till we lose that emphasis and we just move through the reproaches. And you'll see that on Friday. Oh, my people, it starts. Christ is talking to his own people, both in the sense of brothers and sisters of Judaism, but probably more importantly in this context, in the sense of God's chosen people, my people, in that sense. What have I done unto thee, or wherein have I wearied thee? Jesus is asking what we call a rhetorical question. Everyone knows the answer. The Messiah of God, the second person of the Trinity, has done nothing to warrant a rebellion against him. He has done nothing but love the Jews for centuries. This last part of the introductory text is testify against me. So, my people, says Jesus, make plain, state your case. Why have you treated me this way? Because I led thee out through the desert 40 years and fed thee manna and brought thee into a land exceedingly good, thou hast prepared a cross for thy Savior. This is the contrast, the juxtaposition. Of course, we look at them and go, well, that doesn't make any sense. But that's the reality of the history. The contrast is obvious, but let's look at the blessings that Israel received from God that we see recorded here. The text is obviously from the exodus of God's people when he freed them from slavery and brought them to the promised land. God's people, however, did not trust God and ended up with a heart of unbelief. As we see from Psalm 95, which is the regular psalm recited, (coughs) excuse me, 
the regular psalm recited every day in Matins, which we normally recite on Sundays, but with the Palm Sunday blessings of the Palms, we pulled that out to insert so we weren't here for five hours. Um, So normally Psalm 95. Now I have to confess to you that in the progress of liturgical revision, in the 1928 prayer book, Psalm 95 was normatively substituted for 95, most of 95 and part of 96. So the part I'm going to quote you here is the part that we recite at St. Andrew's Church on Wednesdays and Fridays all throughout the year uh, and during Lent, Monday through Friday, every day during Lent. So it won't sound as familiar as it ought because on Sundays we do the shorter form, which is that in the prayer book. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation and said, it is a people that do err in their hearts for they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. The writer writer to the Hebrews talks about this situation in chapter 3 of that letter. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they should not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. They did not enter into the land of rest. They did not enter into the promised land. Their corpses fell in the wilderness. Yet God was not finished with Israel. After that unbelieving generation died off, God led the next generation into the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. And during these 40 years in the wilderness, before that happened, God kept his people alive and fed them with manna from heaven. All this did the God of the Israelites do for his people. Yet on Good Friday, some 2,000 years ago, this same God incarnate in the person of Jesus of Nazareth was hanging on a cross in Jerusalem, having been put there primarily by the very people that he came to redeem. And of course, God uses this rebellion of his people as a means to bring the land of milk and honey, the rest of his people, as the writer to the Hebrews puts it, into reality, not only for his people, but for the entire creation. The cross is the place of victory where death and Satan are defeated. And because of this, our lives can have hope and peace and joy. And God is still feeding his people with heavenly food. Therefore, said that, says that writer to the Hebrews, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might feed upon our heavenly food as the Israelites did, but a more perfect heavenly food to obtain mercy and grace to help in time of need. And in this moment... And this week, 
let us remember the warning and exhortation that the writer to the Hebrews gives to the Hebrew Christians in the 60s AD. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Amen.